Thanks for joining us on Renovation Podcast. This is John Oglesby with Dr. Christopher Cohn. Good morning. Good morning or afternoon. Or evening. <laughs> or you just evening. never know. Uh, we are time central here or, uh, or time neutral. as they Right. Say. Yeah. We're, we're okay with any, any time of day. But I am uh, excited to excited to be doing this again today. Um, this morning has well or afternoon or evening, but for me, morning <laughs> has been has been uh, interesting to say the least. And I am looking forward to doing this. It has brought a smile to the face this morning. To afternoon, whose, evening. Whose face? To mine. Okay. To mine. Good. Maybe not to yours, but <laughs> no, no. And I'm I've noticed that you've been you've been smiling, mm. and that's good. Yeah, smiling good. is good. Yeah, it's a good thing. But we we are. I I need direction on which topic we're going to talk about today. So if you would, so we have the wheel of topicality, and on the wheel today, we decided uh, that we probably should tell you what some of those topics were on the wheel of topicality because if we don't. Um, you might not really trust that we have a wheel here that we're spinning. So, <laughs> so we decided we're going to tell you the topic. So we have four topics on the wheel of topicality today. Uh, topic number one is why in the world does worldview matter? Topic number two, the biblical view on grandparents. Topic number three, who decided that blue jeans would be blue and why it matters? <laughs> and then topic number four, can I honor God in my visit to the beach? And so we spin the wheel of topicality. last few things. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's going to make it. And the topic for today is the biblical view on grandparents. I was kind of looking forward to talking about blue jeans, but the biblical <laughs> view on grandparents. Blue jeans are blue. Anyways, grandparents are awesome too. Right. <laughs> and so what does the Bible say? I, I mean, I understand they're like Ephesians and things like that talks about parents, but what does the Bible say about my parents' parents? And what's that relationship like? And how should I treat that relationship? Right? What do you think? I think it's a good topic. Uh, you don't want blue grandparents. That would be bad. <laughs> well, you know, I obviously <laughs> think back to uh, you know, Paul's uh, relationship to Timothy and uh, uh, the relationship that, that Timothy had with, with his mother and his uh, grandmother. Um, and you think of how impactful that was in, in Timothy's life. Uh, so why don't we go there because we have this direct reference. Let's, let's go over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> and, as, and as Paul starts to discuss uh, uh, Timothy's responsibility, uh, he, he says this, 2 Timothy chapter 1. So this is Paul's final letter uh, to anybody, it's his kind of last will and testament, if you will, to Timothy, his his true child in the faith, and he says in uh, one verse three, uh, "I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did." Okay, so they're interesting in this context. We have that uh, that kind of uh, note of of looking back, and he says, "As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day." Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. This very, very personal letter. He cares a great deal about, about Timothy. And he says this in verse 5, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, 
uh, and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Uh, <clears throat> and we 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 get a few things here from this from this context. I think one is the relationship that Paul has with Timothy. Paul's not his father or his grandfather. Uh, he's probably old enough to be his grandfather. Uh, um, and yet he has this discipleship relationship with Timothy uh, and one that's very, very impactful. And so maybe a first point I would note here is uh, blood isn't the most important thing. Blood relations are not the key to everything. God can provide uh, relationship opportunities outside that. And you see it here with, with Paul and Timothy. Uh, now, Paul would probably refer more to a father-son type relationship, you know, as he refers to Timothy as his true child in the faith. But, but the idea of an older man discipling, mentoring, training up a younger man, that's a, that's a, a very significant biblical context. And women. And women. women with Ab younger women. Yes, thank you. Women. Uh, uh, Titus uh, 2 and 3, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll go hit that in a couple of minutes. Uh, focusing on that. But uh, in this context, though, a second key point would be uh, Paul's description in verse 5 of the sincere faith which is uh, within, within Timothy. Uh, and that's a big deal, that, that this is not, not a, a faith that isn't active. It's, it's a, there's a genuineness to it. Uh, kind of like how James describes a faith that's dead in chapter 2. He's not saying that, well, that faith didn't really, you're not really saved by it. Your faith has died. You were alive, and now you've died, and you're, so now you're right. condemned. That's not what he's talking about at all. He is talking about once you're, you're positionally in Christ, that faith should still have a continuing role and responsibility. There should be function in your life. So if you don't have that, your faith is dead. It's useless. You know, James starts that whole context saying, what use is it, my brethren, right? So in this case, Paul uses a, a word to describe the faith that Timothy has, and the best translation is just sincere. And he says it first dwelt in your grandmother, right? right. So he, he doesn't start with the mother. And, of course, we don't have anything on the, the father or the grandfather, but it all is uh, is focused on, uh, Lois and Eunice. In the grandmother, uh, first you see could have invested uh, in in Eunice, and then now you've got Timothy, third generation, and he's tracing it through the women here. Yeah, is that does that come off as odd to you? With um, specifically, especially we see teachings, and even cultural, but even just teachings in Scripture, which. I don't know why I'm having a lot of issues getting a Bible to pull up, but um, th throughout Scripture you see, uh, you know, almost like this authority of man and women not placing authority over man. We see that in, in the Bible, but then also even in the culture of the day, there was a, you know, um, it's not like America is today. There wasn't a push for women's rights, if you will. It was very much uh, man. You know, men men had the authority there. Yeah, so to see Paul to see Paul trace from grandmother to mother to Timothy, which that can open up a whole other can of worms. But um, is that odd? Would would you say that 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 almost pushes towards 
the absence of the father figures? You know, it's it's a really good question, and I think I think we may have our topic for the next podcast <laughs> uh, just the, uh, on a biblical approach to manhood and womanhood. I, I right. think that's something we've got to deal with. Um, because you're you're raising really important questions, and I'll, I'll try and kind of keep it, I'll try and keep it on grandmothers and grandfathers. But man, it's, I want to switch and, uh, <laughs> and add topic five to the wheel of topicality. But here's the, here's the thing, in this context, this immediate context, uh, because there's no mention of the father, my assumption would be, and it is an assumption, a speculation. We're not told about the father, but the idea is that that these things were passed down. Uh, from from the the women in in Timothy's life, and you don't have any mention of the father uh, or the grandfather. My suggestion would be that that is is probably because the father and grandfather didn't have that sincere faith. That's my guess. And then over in Second Timothy three fifteen, he says, uh, and from childhood you have learned the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom leading salvation through faith in Christ. Uh, and so this sincere faith is in his grandmother and his mother, and he was taught these things from childhood. So that you have this kind of generational chain happening where the mother, or excuse me, the grandmother uh, taught the mother because that sincere faith was there, not just a useless faith right. or a faith that was a positional faith and then had no practical value in the life, but this sincere faith... Uh, first in the grandmother, then in the mother, and Timothy got it when he was a, a child. Uh, there's a notable absence of the father and the grandfather here. Uh, I would think if they were in Christ that Paul would have, I mean, especially as he, he wants to challenge fathers and, and men in other contexts, I would think he would want to take advantage of that opportunity. Right. So the fact that he doesn't, it would seem like, wow, it's, you know, thank God for these women in his life. Yeah, no kidding. The impact of my mother has had on me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, there's a, there's a uh, on the father's side of my of my family, there's a lack of Jesus, <laughs> right? And, but on my mother's side, it's full of full of believers in Christ, and it's actually and her father. It's funny. This, this kind of lays out in my life the same way. Her father wasn't a Christian, but her mother was, and then my mom was a Christian, but my father's not. And then it just you know, and I learned through them the uh, the faith, right? Learned about learned about Christ and things like that. So, anyways, didn't mean to get us on a rabbit trail or anything. No, it's um, all, it's certainly all related. Now, here's an interesting thing, just in light of what you said, uh, you know, kind of that your own story uh, over. And this is this is related, but it is a little bit of a rabbit trail. So, right, rabbit trails are good. Sometimes. First Corinthians seven is this talking about. Uh, the idea of not being unequally yoked, but what if you are? What if uh, you know a believer is married to an unbeliever? And there's a little interesting context here. Uh, notice 1 Corinthians 7, starting verse 12. The rest I say, not the Lord. In other words, this is Paul's opinion here, that if any brother has a wife who's an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. In other words, you don't, don't break up a marriage because of this. <clears throat> He's saying, don't essentially, don't get married to someone who's an unbeliever. But if you find yourself in that, don't, don't seek to undo it because of that. If the unbelieving wife or husband is consenting to it, then don't, 
don't break it up because you never know how God is going to use that situation. Uh, but then notice verse 14. This is really interesting. The unbelieving husband is sanctified through the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise, your children are unclean, but now, or unpure, uh, but now they are holy. And then he he goes back to the leaving, don't leaving, what that looks like. But verse 14 is like, whoa, wait a minute, Paul. Yeah. What are you saying yeah. here? And he doesn't tell us. Uh, he, there's no explanation. Uh, it simply is saying that there is, uh, that the, the unbelieving party in the marriage is sanctified. They're set apart in some way. And then notice what that does for the children. It says, otherwise the children are unclean, but now they are holy. And again, no explanation there. So I wouldn't go so far as to say, well, that means they're saved. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. But here's what I would say. Uh, I would say that it seems like, and this is somewhat speculative, that that if you have a believing uh, spouse uh, in a marriage, you have one that's not, one that is a believing person, that those children... Uh, there's some way that those children are set apart, some way that they're holy. And I've seen, again, I'm, I'm speculating and also through the lens of my experience, which is dangerous. <laughs> so this, I would say, like Paul says, I'm not the Lord, but this is just me talking here. Uh, of course, that's always the case in, in my case. But uh, that, that it seems like God is uh, working in special ways with those children of believers um, and that they have maybe maybe there's a, uh, a a different kind of opportunity for them to come to know the Lord. I mean, I think about perhaps in your case, I don't know, right? Uh, but I've just I've seen that I've seen God work in those ways, showing grace in this way. Now the reason I think it's pertinent to, to this conversation is that we're talking about the role of grandparents, and uh, and even in the case uh, of Timothy's grandparents, where apparently the, the man was not a believer, but the woman was, notice the impact of her sincere faith right. on her daughter, apparently. And then later, God used Timothy to be a significant leader in the church. Yeah. So here's this woman's simple, sincere faith. And we're not told what she did with her life and how she spent her time and you know how she taught and, and did that, but... Uh, what a tremendous impact. So I would say for, for uh, grandmothers, have that sincere faith uh, and follow God's wisdom and his, his guidance, his direction. Be, be active in your faith and God will do incredible things. You don't know what that looks like, but right. he will. Yeah, how does this play? So we're talking multi-generational, right? And again, uh, the... <laughs> My computer's not liking me right now, but you see in the Old Testament times where, um, you know, the parents or the adult, if you will, you know, that have kids or grandkids or whatever, they are, um, you know, living a life of rebellion to God, and that affects their whole family, and then the generations afterwards, you see that with kings, and you see that with a few different, in a few different areas. Does that does that parallel at all with today? So, I mean, do you think that there's a principle there that we can draw from that will apply today? And, and essentially, essentially, as an example, if I were to uh, 
grow up. <laughs> if, when I grow up one day, if you know, and I have grandkids, or I'm living a life of rebellion, and I end up having grandkids, can my life of rebellion, in the same way that we see in the Old Testament, affect my grandkids? It's a great question. I, I, I would say most certainly. Now we have to be careful, because in uh, in the Mosaic Law there was a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was accountabilities uh, beyond one generation. And you see that sometimes in Old Testament prophecy. There's prophecies and judgments, even for nations. They're generational. We have to be a little bit careful of that, of uh, assuming or claiming generational uh, promises one way or the other. And I think that's really popular today is you know thinking in those terms. Right. Uh, but... While we have to be careful about that, there's absolutely a, a, a principle. Um, just just as an example, Proverbs twenty two twenty seven. Uh, excuse me, twenty two twenty eight. Just a, a general proverb, just in the middle of the context. Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Okay. Now the idea there is uh, that. Your fathers were operating in wisdom. There's a, a boundary they've they've set. Don't be in the habit of you know of, of moving those things. Don't disregard the the, the ancient wisdom, if you will. Um, and there's a reason that Solomon is is saying that. I think I think part of that reason is uh, out of out of respect and and out of the wisdom that's been provided over the ages. There's there's impact present day impact. And I'm not trying to make this metaphorical. It's a very, very literalistic kind of concept. There's boundaries. Don't move them. Your father said it. There's reasons that they did that. You know? right. Now, there's a flip side. Uh, and you may have heard this story. Um, but uh, Thanksgiving dinner is cooked. The woman is uh, cooking this Thanksgiving uh, turkey. And uh, uh, she cuts the... The front and back completely off, so you know what what you would expect of a turkey is like half a turkey, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the daughter asks the mother, why why are you cutting that much off? And then so the mother says, well, that's how that's how my mom taught me how to make it, right? And then so she goes and asks her mom and says, you know why 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 did you teach me to do that? And uh, well, that's that's how my mom taught me. And so they go back to the great grandmother. Or great great grandmother. Sorry, my math isn't right here. Uh, and she says, "Well, I never had a, a pan big enough to fit the turkey, right?" <laughs> so you know the the problem is that sometimes uh, those ancient boundaries are set for reasons that we're unaware of, and you don't you don't go and get in the habit of just changing things without real examination. I think because there's wisdom at the same time, we can't just do what we've always done. Uh, without measuring and without inquiring. And that's in the context of Proverbs, he talks about that a lot, of, um, of listening to the wisdom that your, uh, that your fathers and, uh, and, and mothers have, have provided. Uh, you know, I think about uh, Proverbs 30, verse 11. Now, of course, this is directed at, uh, at fathers and mothers, right? right. Or, or uh, thinking about them. There's a kind of 
person who curses his father and does not bless his, his mother, right? Uh, well, where does that where does that start? You know, you're talking generational. If, as we see in the case of Timothy, his grandmother had a sincere faith, a faith of integrity and usefulness, passed that on to her daughter, uh, and then the daughter passes that on to Timothy. And so Paul comes along and disciples, right, and, and helps instruct and equip. But Timothy already has life and, and a sincere faith. And that was a generational thing. Well, what if what if uh, Lois and Eunice were did not have a sincere faith? You know, right. that impact <clears throat> is going to be felt in the third generation and beyond. So we've got to be really aware of of that. There's there's a reason why, uh, and we'll touch on it. Titus two two and three, uh, three and four. Excuse me, uh, older women. Likewise, to be reverent in behavior, not scoffs, absorbed, enslaved to, to much wine, which I chuckle at that. Not enslaved to much wine, but <laughs> teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And, and some suggest, okay, that's all that older women are supposed to do is teach younger women how to function in the home. But that's not what uh, the end of 2.3 says. It says teaching what is good. Older women are to be teaching younger women what is good. Uh, Lois and Eunice had that kind of relationship. You know, uh, it seems pretty evident. And, and uh, so for, for Timothy now, he has the responsibility. Uh, it would, you would assume he wasn't married at that point, but his responsibility would be, just like we see in Ephesians 6, you mentioned it earlier, fathers to train up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They have that responsibility. Well, in Timothy's case, his, apparently his father and his grandfather weren't fulfilling that. Imagine right. if they. Imagine if they had. Yeah. Uh, Timothy already had a tremendous advantage with his grandmother and mother, and it shows you uh, that these people can stand on their own and still be faithful. Yeah. Uh, even if they don't, they're not married or don't have a spouse that is has a sincere faith. So that's encouraging. But on the other hand, how much better if the grandfather and the grandmother are together in a sincere faith? The impact of how they train up their children, the impact that has on the next generation. Because Timothy would have had to have gotten that from his mother also, not just his grandmother. Yeah. The, you know, I, I think often uh, when it comes to, to multi-generational impact and and you know again this is a little a little bit uh, you may be a little critical about some of this and that's okay criticize I think often of Abraham yep um, and and when I again different context and all of those things but Abraham obeyed you know and it had faith in, in God which was counted to him as righteousness right that was Isaac but he left his home took his family and because of that you know God was able to bless that and, and then you see this um, blessing the nations right through multi-generational uh, blessing and obedience to God and things like that um, there's a lot more that goes into that but I you know it's just the the what you see with Timothy again is you see a grandmother who has an effect on her daughter and then on Timothy and then Timothy I mean we see what you know Timothy's impact on on the church and correct me if I'm wrong in Ephesus 
with mm-hmm. Timothy yeah. was in yeah. Ephesus, um, and just where where you know all of that just went the explosion of uh, of that church and and the you know persecution they endured and all those things, and it was it's just cool to see the impact that you know even if it's indirect a grandparent has on grandchildren and and so so forth you know so forth and and continuing on through the next generations that we see just because they were faithful absolutely had a sincere faith absolutely i I think you could go back to deuteronomy 6 starting in verse 4 and and see really the power of that impact Uh, now this is this is uh uh, in the context of the mosaic law but just notice how broadly this is applicable you know, hero is the Lord our God is uh, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. These words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Okay, so the fathers teach the sons, and then those sons are in the same economy. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to also diligently teach their sons. So now you've got the third generation of sons being impacted. Well, what if the first generation, the grandfathers, are not faithful? Right than the second and third generation. It's, it's all broken. There has to be some kind of massive change to fix it. Yeah. Uh, so grandparents are so important because they are they're setting the spiritual tone uh, for their children, first of all. That's their greatest ministry to their grandchildren is to parent their own children well. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the biblical pattern. You don't see a whole lot of uh, grandparent-to-grandchild discussion in Scripture because there's an order, uh, you know, a process that's supposed to take place, and it's that primary ministry should be to the parents directly, right? But even still, uh, you you see impact such as with Timothy and his grandmother. Uh, so that would be the first step, is the first order of ministry as a as a father. My first order of ministry as a parent is to my children, and one day if God uh, directs them and provides for them in that way. They'll have children of their own, and and what I've what I have uh, what I and their their mother have provided for them will set a tone that's either a good, healthy spiritual tone, or or it'll have flaws in it that'll show up in that third generation. Right. So it's a really really big deal. He says you shall teach them diligently. Your sons talk of them when you sit in your house. You're hanging out in your house. Uh, you know, little Netflix on the screen or something. <laughs> when you walk by the way, okay, so you're, you're, you're talking of them when you're sitting down in your house, when you're walking outside, when you lie down, right, so at night, and then when you rise up pretty much all day long. They'll be visible uh, in verses 8 and 9. Uh, and, and so it's not a background thing that we don't do and we don't talk about. This is something that's very important. Now, again, this is within the Mosaic Law, but I think there's an absolute principle, uh, perhaps secondary application we can draw from that, is that that God intends for the truths about Him to be part of our lives constantly. And right. as training up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord ought to be, uh, it ought to be filled with that, which means that they are then... Uh, taking the next generation doing the same same with that. Maybe one last passage is a good example, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And it talks about this discipleship process. Now think about Paul as a 
as a father to Timothy, spiritual father. He says, the things which you heard from me, 2 Timothy 2.2, things which you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? Mm -hmm. What is that implying? Multi-generational ministry. Timothy is to uh, train up the next generation who's able then to train up the next generation. So Paul is the kind of the spiritual grandfather of Timothy's spiritual children. Yeah, I think there's actually, is there four generations here? Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and then others yeah, also? perfect. Perfect. That's pretty cool, right? That is really cool. So you could see Timothy in the, as that second of four. He would be, you could say he's in a grandfather role. You could see Paul's in the great-grandfather role. There's always a, a vision to those who are coming next. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, you just, you just continue to see that, that effect that you being faithful and teaching and those younger than you has, it just continues on and will continue and continue assuming they stay faithful. Right. And so for, for, uh, children who still have their grandparents here, that is a precious blessing. If they know the Lord, uh, then learn all you can from them. If they don't know the Lord, honor them and love them uh, by praying for them and and, uh, by sharing God's faithfulness with them. Uh, Because grandparents are a pretty awesome thing to have. Amen. Amen.